welcome back to When You Think Taylor Swift. Today, we are going on a little bit of an adventure through... A roller coaster ride, if you will. (laughs) A chronological exploration of Taylor Swift's boys and boys and girls and girls dating history. And I am Madeline. And I'm Hannah. <laughs> and buckle up for the ride of yeah. your lives. We I was just telling Madeline that yesterday I got deep in um Gaylor Reddit and Tumblr. The Tumblr content factory is really a place to be, but anyways, we're gonna try to not go we're gonna be like wading knee deep in these waters. We're not going all in, but just you wait because we absolutely will. Um, Yeah. So basically our goal for today is to kind of even the playing field, get a base point that we're all operating from of the chronology of some of Taylor Swift's alleged and more, I don't know, mainstream like flings. Just good. Good sliding alleged in there for tree. Yeah. Well, I actually, I wanted to say alleged to like Lucas Till. I don't know how real that is. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so there are some that we all agree as like canon, like our Joe Jonas's, our John Mayer's, what have you. But then there's a lot of others randomly in there. And then there's a lot of people we think should be included in canon that Mm -hmm. are kind of washed, washed away in the mainstream discourse. So we're here to talk about all of it. Yeah, so we're going to go um, a little chronology here. And um, the first person on our list we've already discussed is Emily Poe. So, you know, we don't need to go too deep into her because we talked about her on the Fearless episode. But to recap, Emily was the fiddler. Fiddler. Fiddle, <laughs> fiddle player? <laughs> fiddle player. The fiddler. Who, um, the fiddler on the, in the band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> who got fired from the band under some maybe gay circumstances. Um I looked her up. She practices real estate now, I think. And she's has a lawyer, a, right? Yeah. Seems kind of weird. Anyways, yeah. she's been washed away by the sands of time. And, but we talked about this on the Fearless episode. They had a very intimate relationship that a lot of people assume was more than just a friendship and was fired from the tour for, um, weird circumstances that we don't really know what happened, but (laughs) the song Breathe is written about Emily Poe, no matter what way you slice it. There was Mm -hmm. a whole VH1 pop-up video about the dissolution of their relationship and the gay undertones and why she had to leave, basically because management said, Taylor Swift can't be gay with the fiddler. So, (laughs) If it were a bass player, sure, but the fiddler is where we draw the line. Fiddlers Uh, must stay on the roof. (laughs) Um, And we think Taylor and Emily Poe, I mean, whatever their relationship was, it was like 2006 to 2008-ish. This is where we begin our... um, our chronology. We're also, I'm sure that there are some people, I mean, like boys from the initial albums drew of teardrops on my guitar. We're not really going to go into them because those were all like, you know, although she did say that didn't drew like show up at her house a couple years after, like after the album was released and he was like, Hey, you wrote this song about me. And she was like, too little, too late. Drew. the big thing to know about like all those boys from those initial albums, like Debut and Fearless, is that I don't think she dated 
a single one of them, which is really interesting. She has said that, right? Exactly. That they were like crushes she had from a distance and then wrote these whole songs about, which is Mm -hmm. super relatable to any high schooler. But it's also just interesting to note of when we think of Taylor Swift or the media thinks of her as this serial dater, which is kind of what we're going to get into in this podcast. But so many of those assumed people she dated in quotations, like she didn't actually even date. It was either PR or just like assumed by the media machine that like Taylor Swift's photographed with someone else. They're dating. She talks about someone in a song. They're dating when she just has a really imaginative imagination. (laughs) And like she like certainly has liked a lot of people. But yeah, like these aren't really like long term committed monogamous relationships in any, you know, some of them are. Few, that at very least. few, but way fewer than the kind of overall um, canon. Of course, yeah. yeah. The mainstream media would lead you to believe is far from the truth, and we're going to talk about this later. But I think something that's really inspiring to us both is the book "The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo" by <laughs> Taylor Jenkins Reid, which um, so <laughs> believe was ghostwritten by Taylor Swift, but that's going a little far. The point of it is, is that broad strokes, we will have an episode on this book and it's oh, we will. to Taylor Swift. <laughs> we will. Oh, we will. <laughs> and, um, but the point is, is that it follows this old Hollywood starlet who is famous for dating or marrying all these men. She has like seven husbands at the end of mm-hmm. her life, kind of an Elizabeth Taylor situation. And the whole book gets into the real stories behind each of these seven marriages, how they weren't ever what they seemed. They were for PR or political use. And the authenticity of these relationships was very varied. And the truth was that the love of her life was a woman who wasn't any of those marriages. And obviously this is a work of fiction, But the underlying truth is that the PR machine behind celebrity relationships is like none other. And there is great reason to doubt a lot of these celebrity Mm -hmm. pairings. Yeah, that was like the biggest when I was um, researching for this app. That was really the biggest thing that I was taking away was just like how differently some of these relationships are portrayed. And we'll get into this as we talk about these. But the way that certain relationships are photographed and how like Mm -hmm. others aren't the way that paparazzi photos are taken that like could only have been taken if somebody called and was like, come and take these photos, you know, which we know Um, tree has done. Like we, Oh yeah. We absolutely know, which basically any celebrities PR does this at certain Mm -hmm. points, but that Taylor Swift PR has been known to selectively call um, paparazzi and have longstanding relationships with certain paparazzi. Mm-hmm. So we know that that's a relationship that's cultivated and is the result of many of these relationships in quotes that we're going to talk about today. It's just because they were photographed at a certain time and yeah. that potentially those paparazzi were called to photograph that certain and that's- time. Also a super interesting thing, and I'll point these out as we get to them, but certain relationships, all the majority, if not all of the paparazzi photos for them came from the same Mm. person, the same company every single time, which is just like, that's not a coincidence. And and the kind of photos that are taken by this one person, by this one company are the kind that have to be called in. So we'll get into it. But um, should we talk about Joe Jonas? 
Yeah, so our second relationship, obviously one of the most instantly iconic. This was 2008. What a time. He was Mr. Perfectly Fine, and she was Miss Misery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wrote a late aughts masterpiece, which it really was. This was the peak of the Joe Bros um, bonanza. She went on, remember, she like came out at one of their shows when they were tour. It was the Jonas Brothers 3D World Experience (laughs) tour, (laughs) which the name itself is something. But um, this was like, so this was, yeah, after debut pre-Fearless. And this was like post Camp Rock 1, I think. So things were taking off for everyone involved. Um, One other thing that I've been kind of noting as we were going through all of these people and I may link a playlist is songs that were written about Taylor by some of these people and Joe Jonas. Um, well, technically the Jonas brothers before he went solo and before he went DNCE, um, (laughs) cake by the ocean. Great song. Um, he wrote the song much better, um, which includes the line now I'm done with superstars and the tears on her guitar. So a a direct call out to um, Miss Taylor. And then she responds with better than revenge. Which, like, the hook in that song over and over again is, um, because I'm so much better. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, interesting. But, yeah, Joe Jonas. That song, Better Than Revenge, is pointed at Camilla Bale, Where Is She Now? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, Where Is She Now? Joe Jonas dated after Taylor Swift, Mm -hmm. who thinks that vintage dresses give her dignity. I would love to know where she is now, though. Like, if she's still acting or whatever it might be. But... That's Joe Jonas, a very iconic relationship. There's so yeah. many songs about Joe Jonas, too. So many. Like, um, Last Kiss, Story of Us. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that Last Holy Kiss Ground, was about maybe. him. Yeah, Last Kiss is about him. But, like, Great do you song. think she really watched him sleep? Like, I'll watch your life in pictures like I used to watch you sleep. That's the thing, also, that we have to think about is like, Taylor takes the feeling and runs with it and can expound it to the nth degree. And that's another thing of like, she needs these men or these relationships or these women as her fuel in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to instigate her creative spark. And I mean, we've seen with folklore and, and um, evermore how she can kind of spin that out of quote unquote, nothing and from stories and fables and all this stuff. But still the heat of the thing is that, she needs new muses. She's kind of like a monster who needs to eat little humans to keep thriving. But I think we want to underline that she's eating them a lot less. (laughs) <laughs> like she's maybe just nibbling them like an hors d'oeuvre and then yeah, like a presenting a full banquet. <laughs> really good analogy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, my last note about Joe too is just that they've really seemed to repair their relationship. Like she went on Ellen and was like, I got jumped at 27 seconds on the phone. And then she, she name checks him in her SNL monologue. And like, he talks about her on some stuff. And then like, wasn't there a the, doll, like a Taylor Swift Barbie or a Joe? Oh, yes. oh there's a video oh, the of video. her oh, with God, the Joe Jonas Barbie or whatever. Yeah. She, there was a period where Taylor released a lot of vlogs, like yes. in her early fame. They're very fun, but she there's in one of the vlogs she's holding up to, there's like a Joe Jonas Barbie and a Taylor Swift Barbie And she's holding them up and she's like, don't listen, don't date him, don't do it. And wasn't Um, she was like, he even comes with a phone so he could break up with you in 27 seconds? I think she says that. Yes, she did. She did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But they're all good now. They, um, you know, 
uh, Sophie Turner loved Mr. Perfectly Fine when it came out. Um, and the line in Invisible String no, is definitely about Joe. Presence. Mm-hmm. Who is your favorite Jonas brother? I liked Nick. Unfortunately, he's effeminate. So, uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> And he has like no personality. Person. I it's think like, Kevin is deaf. I think they're all effeminate. Yes. But, um, I was, well, I Kevin liked is... the brand of effeminate that was Joe. Yeah. I still, I still kind of like Joe. I think, I mean, we all knew like Joe was a scoundrel after all yeah, these he songs. He was a bad boy. And I do think he probably was pretty crappy to her. I think the thing with my take on Joe, she really did like him. It mm-hmm. really was a thing, and he really was an asshole. But mm-hmm. he was just, like, too cool for school, like, having all this fame, feeling like he was so busy and whatever, and that he wasn't... He just didn't want to be tied down, I think, is is my perspective. Mm-hmm. And But I do think there was a real romantic spark there. Yeah, my- I do, too. Yeah. Um. Well, her next lover... <laughs> I should not call this person a lover. Her next lover was um, Lucas Till in the year 2009. Um, they met while filming the Hannah Montana movie, which Taylor Swift guests in. She sings crazier, right? At yeah, the, she like- sings crazier, which we need. We are going to have an episode about like Taylor movie music, but yes. I freaking love the song crazier. If you don't like the song crazier, if you don't know the song crazier, cue it up right now. Yeah, Maddie's. pause this. Um <laughs> It's so good, but something that I didn't know also is that she wrote like all the music for the yeah. Hannah Montana movie too. Taylor wrote like all you the songs. You can change your hair and you, you can, can change, change your clothes. I don't think she wrote The Climb, but no. um some really iconic amazing songs which makes perfect sense that Taylor wrote them. But yes. So yeah. she cameos in it too. And then he also is the uh, romantic lead in the "You Belong with Me" music video. He is the the boy on the phone. What else across is the he hall. from? Like I have Disney literally show? no idea. I think he was. Was he in? No, he wasn't on it. That was that other guy, Jake Ryan. Right. Yes, I love Jake Ryan. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> Lucas Till. I feel I have no like no positive or negative feelings towards. Fully He's neutral. Fine. I don't. I have no feelings at all. I mean, yeah. his part in the "You Belong with Me" music video is iconic, and we thank him for his service in doing yes. that. Um, while I was researching this, I felt I found a quote from Taylor, which sounds like she basically agrees with us on our net neutral Milk Hotel um, <laughs> assertion of Lucas Till. She says we dated for a little bit, but there was no friction because we were too nice. We really just both liked each other, but most relationships work out because you get along and then you don't and then you make up and it's passionate and with us, I just really liked her as a friend. That's the only reason it didn't work out. Okay, maybe that's Lucas talking about her, I guess. Yes. But anyway, sounds very platonic and again mm-hmm. is another another tick in the category of like, this was not a relationship. Yeah. I have to say, Lucas Till kind of looks like Joe Allen. I mean... She has a type. Yeah. She has a type which is tall blondes. He's got that boyish look that I like in a man. <laughs> <laughs> he was the palate, the palate, yeah. I the don't beginning. know, yeah. appetizer. And then we move into um, a brunette phase with the next couple of men, um, which starts off with Taylor Lautner. Team Jacob. They were in um, Valentine's Day together. That movie is really fun. I also learned while researching that they had the same agent at the time. All right. 
I'm not saying it was a beard, but I am saying it was a beard. Okay, but that makes perfect sense. Like, also, I think we need to put a point in the category of like agents can set up celebrities with the intention of maybe a spark actually being there, mm-hmm. you know, or something happening. But if you have the same agent and you have two really popular teen stars, you want them to star in a movie together mm-hmm. as romantic interest. You, it is like essential. That is your job to pitch them as an item to the yes. tabloids. That is and literally your yeah. job. I was also reading about like, I was then reading some like press coverage of Valentine's day around the time that it was like coming out and like around the time of, Taylor squared. And a lot of people before the movie came out, like were saying that there was like a a lot of discourse about Taylor Lautner being like effeminate and like Taylor Lautner maybe Mm -hmm. being gay. Um, and so like, it makes sense then that if this was a setup, which Mm -hmm. they have the same agent, I'm going to go ahead and believe it was then part of it was also like, this man is playing a romantic lead in a movie. We got to get him like dating this, like, you know, he's such a catch that not even his co-star can resist exactly right yeah and also i've i've heard the rumblings that taylor lautner is gay too Mm -hmm. um but like i guess now that he's out of the spotlight yeah and he's dating the other blonde taylor oh right the other blonde taylor yeah sorry sorry sorry. okay um my take on taylor lautner because we know back to december is about mm -hmm. taylor lautner she really hurt him she feels sad about it sorry i think my take on the taylor lautner thing he was like puppy dog infatuated with her Mm-hmm. this time versus Joe Jonas, it was her who was like kind of crappy in response to him, maybe yeah. because of her conditioning from the Joe Jonas thing. Like she kind of wanted to have the upper hand for once. She kind of screwed him over and that's where we yeah. leave that. I agree. I think that like he was really into her. She was probably like kind of milk toast about him. Also, I think just the other thing to acknowledge is that, celebrities especially all of these like touring celebrities like Mm -hmm. joe jonas and taylor at this time are so busy like how do they even date especially when they're teenagers it's like they can't bang in hotel rooms and stuff when they have management that's watching them 24 7 it's like there really is no dating when you're on tour when you're filming movies when you're recording albums mm-hmm. in this kind of high speed way that all of these characters that we're talking about so far were basically, it's like, you just don't have the time or space to date in any kind of normal or constructed constructive way yeah. at this age, being a child star. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think like, that's what are you often doing? right. Why like child stars have such terrible, like first romantic experiences because it's so condensed. It's so fleeting. It's so tied with their career, mm-hmm. whether it's on set or like something sketchy that happens with other people working on set. There's just no space for children to be children and experiment right. romantically or whatever it might be in the way that we think of it. So I think that's just another point in the category of like these relationships that we think of are really it's like a shadow on the wall of what really was going on. Yeah. And it's constructed by adults. Yeah, which is, like, pretty gross. Yes. Um, our next Kendall is, um, <laughs> we're still in the year 2009. Um, this began in, like, I think the, the stuff I was reading was, like, November to January or, like, February, a couple of months towards the end of 2009. Um, and this is when Taylor has some variety of a relationship with John freaking Mayer, sleazebag extraordinaire. Um, and how okay. old was he? 
He was 32. She was 19, um, which Don't is really fucking nineteen is too young. Um, last week on the pod or sometime recently, you were <laughs> saying it was last week. Um, you were saying that you don't think they actually, they actually dated. No, I don't. You think they just like, I think what was happening was John Mayer was being really, really flirty, sliding into Taylor's DMs. We talked about him tweeting at her last week. Mm-hmm. I think he was just being the older scumbag that he is like being really really flattering being like mm-hmm. you're the voice of a generation you're so talented whatever she's really in her like goody goody wanting to please everybody we know before this that she was a huge fan of john mayer and his mm-hmm. like music his artistry his songwriting and i think he was just being really skeevy yeah like really gassing her up being like you're so amazing maybe calling her to hang out calling her to talk about different songs they could work on Basically just like gassing her up and then gaslighting her and being like, I can't hang out or whatever, just like fading away and being really, really shitty and manipulative about it. And I'd be interested. So you said that you read that thing about Jessica Simpson and how she talked about him and her biography. Like what's his MO? Because he clearly is, he like is a serial emotional abuser. Yeah. I was reading an interview I can't remember where it was or like maybe it was on a podcast. I don't know. But Phoebe Bridgers was talking about John Mayer mm. um, and like his relationships comparing him to Ryan Adams Are in certain ways. <laughs> I which like, like they're the same in my brain. Yeah. I mean, like the whole thing with Phoebe Bridgers and Ryan Adams, I mean, not the whole thing, but part of it was that like he they recorded music together. He was going to put out an album and then he like withheld it basically and like kind of fucked her over for a little bit. And so like. I don't think the same thing happened with Taylor and John Mayer, but I do think that there are some echoes there of like established man in music industry, literal teenage girl in music industry. Mm -hmm. Like there's power dynamics that just like cannot really ever make anything sustainable or healthy or like anything other than gross. And like, he's gross. He's really sleazy. And like, he was awful to Jessica Simpson. He was awful to Taylor Swift. He didn't, he and Katy Perry. Yeah. He and Katy Perry, Katy Perry. There's so many more. Yeah. A lot of brunette actresses from the two thousands that I can't think of, but yeah. Oh, there's so many terrible people and just stories about him. Um, but I was also thinking like in the same way that I'm talking about, like Taylor needs a body count. I'm just inspirational people. I think that John Mayer's like the really, really dark side of this, of he truly is a serial manipulator of he takes the way she says it into your jaw. And like, they're, they're all dead in the eyes now. Mm -hmm. All these girls that he's, he's fucked over. Yeah. She took the matches before fire could catch her, which is another thing that another reason why I think that it didn't really get in full swing. Mm-hmm. because she saw all this this body count piling up of his, of these girls that he'd worn dried with tired, lifeless eyes because he uh. wore them out. And it, he needs to do that. And I think there's an element of like taking this young, beautiful teenage girl muse and almost like sapping her life source for mm-hmm. his music. Yeah. And I, it's in their collab. I wonder how this song would be received if it came out. Like, I just, I, there was like a what lot of song? discourse around Dear John, uh, around Dear John when it came out as like, ooh, what a breakup burn. But like, right, listening to it is really just like, this person is like really shitty to me and to women and like 
has a lot of power in the music industry. And like, everyone's oh like, ooh, so scandalous that this yes. like 19 year old Taylor Swift dated 32 John Mayer. Like, ooh, drama. But it's like, that's yes. really gross. It's really awful. And like, she's never really talked about it publicly since then, which isn't surprising. She doesn't really talk about like a lot of her relationships publicly. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I feel like there's the way that that was received in the like, you know, cultural moment mm-hmm. was drama pretty different than yeah like what it seems to lyrically be yeah I really think I had that realization not too long ago listening to this song that like this is a song about emotional abuse Mm -hmm. in the same way that something like Night Shift or I don't know Phoebe like motion sickness motion sickness exactly that there are similar songs there's yeah. thread between all of these songs and i think in a post me too era and all these conversations we're having about men in hollywood and i mean a little bit less in music but we should be having them i completely agree that this song would have been totally different and again it's mm-hmm. like so fucked how the narrative even if people were like john mayer's a scumbag it still got twisted into taylor being right. Like an angry, vindictive ex. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Which is like, okay, you're an angry, vindictive ex when you're abused Mm -hmm. by a 32-year-old man and you're 19, which is literally what she's saying in this song. And it's just so messed up how the Taylor narrative has gotten so off the rails that that was something she had to subsume. And he then puts out Paper Dolls, actually, also, which is a song about her. It comes out after um, Red. And he, this song, Paper Dolls, is about her. And there's this line, you're like 22 girls in one and none of them knows what they're running from. Was it just too far to fall for a little paper doll? Which is like also a really weak drag. Like after her song full of like incredibly incisive. Yeah. (laughs) I think Dear John is truly an incredible song. Yeah. And yeah, he I has vividly nothing. remember watching that at the Speak Now when we went to the Speak Now tour and like that performance shining like fireworks over his sad empty town. The next two are little kind of blips. Um, Taylor briefly dated Corey Monteith in 2009. That feels so fake. It feels really PR. Also, though. that feels like a Diana. I guess Diana's later. Yeah, Diana's later, but, but there's something happening. That there. feels like a weird cross pollination, like promote Glee, promote Taylor at the same time. Yeah, they really they didn't like, do a lot of Taylor on Glee. No, but she was like, so, I mean, she didn't license so many of her right. songs at that point. So, like, I think they had a couple, but. Thank God they didn't do it. Can you imagine a Glee Taylor Swift episode? I would literally There is a song die. that they do. But I think the song when Britney and Santana break up, which was like post my time when I was watching, is a Taylor Swift song. But I can't think of what song it is. Oh, yeah. Mine was the breakup episode. Yes. Uh, Santana sings it. Yes, exactly. She sings it in like a sad way. Like, you were the best thing that's ever been mine. Did she say this is a little bit dark, but did Taylor ever say anything when Corey died? Yes, I actually looked this up. Um, she tweeted on the day that he died, um, like speechless in the worst way or something like that. That was really sad. It was really, really sad. And then um, we have a couple of years of, of kind of a quiet period, but there is a blip after Speak Now is released. Taylor releases Speak Now in October of 2010. And one of the songs on there is Enchanted. And you read the liner notes for Enchanted, and it spells out Adam. And everyone's like, Adam, Adam, Adam. 
You know who Adam is? Fucking Adam Young of Owl City. You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies. Um, That's like such bad taste. I'm so sorry. But like Taylor, okay, maybe that's, wait, does she, her Venus is an Aquarius, right? That we talked yeah. about. Maybe that explains Adam. Yeah. She's like, you're really, you're something. So they didn't actually date. They met at some like party or award show or something. And then she like went home and wrote and chanted about him. And then like. So that is, first of all, a great example of how, like, her brain is just mm-hmm. explosive. Like, she met this person one time. They did not talk after that. And she wrote Enchanted, which is, like, a fucking epic song. Mm-hmm. But six months later, it's Valentine's Day 2011. <laughs> and what does Owl City post on six YouTube besides... Six months later. That's six so months later. Weak. It's so... And it, he... Okay, so he posts on YouTube a cover of Enchanted. And I just want to read this allowed but do you the letter that goes along okay go and then i'll say my okay dearest taylor i'll be the first to admit i'm a rather shy boy and since music is the most eloquent form of communication i can shy boy just stop it shy boy (laughs) i decided to record something for you as a sort of reply to the breathtaking (laughs) song I know, I don't know why. <laughs> the breathtaking song on your current record. This is what I wanted so badly to tell you in person, but could never quite put into words. Everything is about you is lovely. You're an immensely charming girl with a beautiful heart and more grace and elegance than I know how to describe. You are a true princess from a dreamy fairy tale. No. And above all, I just want you to know, dot, 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 I was enchanted to meet you too. Love, Adam. That she is never like replies. the pukiest thing I've ever read, which I don't mean to be like, yeah, he seems nice. He's saying nice things, but just gag me. You are a true princess from a dreamy fairy tale. That's like you glanced at the Fearless album cover. You listened yeah. to Love Song once, or I mean Love Story once. So anyways, I just needed that to be put on the record as like the most embarrassing. Um, she never replied. She didn't. She engaged with this. Not at all. <laughs> so cold like not that she's really entitled to but also i just think to not acknowledge at all is really hilarious and so funny that she literally never said anything about it but what do you think because my take my secret behind the scenes take is that Mm -hmm. what happened after enchanted came out he was definitely slow on the uptake but not six months slow he slid into her dms he tried to whatever with her. He was really annoying and weird. She was like, I don't want to talk to you, dreamy fairy tale shy boy. Um, and she was like, let's stop this. She ghosted him. He twiddled his thumbs in radio silence and was like, I gotta, I gotta make a declaration. She can't ignore me now. And then she did. I think it was just radio silence. I think it was nothing. I think that he just did not engage. And then finally was like, here. Like post Adam, we've got Mm -hmm. a big one. And to me, this is like one of the first, if not her first, like real relationships in a, in a more meaningful way. And that is none other than Jake Gyllenhaal. So this was 2010, 2011 era. Wait, Returning to the Brokeback Mountain conversation we were having a while ago, if she dated Jake Gyllenhaal, she definitely saw Brokeback Mountain. Right. How could she not? Just in a stalker way. Like, right. If like, you like someone, you're going to watch the Oscar winning movie that he's yes. in. And or like post breakup wallowing, like watch his love oh, affair with totally, Heath Ledger. Oh, totally. So she's, yeah. So 
enough consumption of Brokeback Mountain to definitely write a song yes. about it. Anyways, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean... What if she wrote just listen to all like too well. meat in this era and just <laughs> sitting on it? I would not that put it faster. That would kill me. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even think we need to say anything about the details of their relationship. You should just go listen to All Too Well instead. Um, and, and I mean, get like, the full ass picture. Yeah, totally. And I think All Too Well to me is a reason. Again, we know like Taylor can spin a yarn out of basically nothing, mm-hmm. but it's just like there's a real depth of feeling there. There's a depth of specificity. Mm-hmm. The scarf at his sister Maggie Gyllenhaal's house. Yeah. I also just think this is one of her first relationships, which is in like due to the photographers and the paparazzi, but that really has a sense of place. Like mm-hmm. I think of this relationship so much tied with New York and the autumn and that photo leaves. Of them, you know? And yeah, I think the it's a photo of them too with the maple latte. Well, we have that that like famed photo shoot. Also, like Besides that, there's nothing. And so I think this this will become important that like when Taylor wants to keep a relationship private, like when she is in a relationship with somebody that she does not want to be known and photographed, like it, she can do that. Like the Jake Gyllenhaal stuff, like that went on longer than we have photographic evidence for. And like there's, you know, there was stuff outside of the the photos that we saw. And then we did start getting some and then they broke up. But so I just think, you know, it's, that was a relationship that was both fuller than her other ones had been and like more private than her other ones had been. And some of her future ones will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the age difference between them? Do you know? Cause I definitely think part of that is due to Jake Gyllenhaal being like the first man that she dated separately from whatever happened with John Mayer, you know, like he was like a real adult, even if she wasn't quite at this point. Um, yeah, she was 22 and he was 30. I found this quote that was about Taylor just talking about his reaction to red. And she says that he says, I just listened to the album and it was really bittersweet for me. It was like going through an old photo album. And she says that was nice, nicer than like the ranting, crazy emails I get from this one dude. Who do you think that is? No clue. No idea. <laughs> it's a lot more mature way of looking at a love that was wonderful until it was terrible and both people got hurt from it. But one of those people happened to be a songwriter. So what are you going to do? Did you not Wikipedia me before you called me up? And I just think the thing that's interesting there and the thing that I've always gotten from the Jake Gyllenhaal relationship is like there was mutual mutual feeling and mutual hurt. Yeah, totally. And, and I that think, was like, yeah. yeah, I think, yes, this was this was her first like real big relationship, real big heartbreak. And then it birthed the greatest song of all time. So the greatest song, such an incredible. And I think that's the thing where in the fandom, I think there's a sense of like, thank you to Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> that we don't have for like John Mayer or Joe Jonas, even though I think the tide has turned on that, but that it's like, if you could produce something so great from it, it's like better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. You know? Yeah. I also just want to add a fun note, which that Maggie Gyllenhaal, who still has the scarf from um, All Too Well, claims she doesn't know anything about it. But we know you have that scarf, Maggie. She categorically denies. She's like, that I don't know what crazy. scarf you're talking. I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never heard of what you're talking. What? Huh? Huh? Maggie, 
Which also You're like, in the fucking who knows zeitgeist. what Taylor like maybe there's maybe there's no scarf really there. It was a literary device, but I do believe that there is a scarf. <laughs> Maggie Gyllenhaal is like the most spotted celebrity in Brooklyn. Like I know I cannot even put on two hands the amount of people I know who have seen Maggie Gyllenhaal out and about living her life. And one day Maggie Gyllenhaal came to like the grocery store that was in my my work building and my coworker saw her. And it was the same day I saw Whitney Port and Artie from Glee walk in together <laughs> oh to the same grocery store, which also had a restaurant. So in my head, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Artie from Glee, and Whitney Port from the Hills were having a tete-a-tete. <laughs> At the grocery store restaurant. <laughs> it was fancy. Uh, super weird seeing him without a wheelchair, which is like an er and an er on the part of Ryan Murphy. Because <laughs> that's just... Ryan Murphy. Chaos. All right. Who do we have next? Connor Kennedy, unfortunately. He was 18 and she was 22. So this was all around not a great look, I have to say, for Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, what remember, are you I do, do remember thinking it was weird, but also she was so obsessed with the Kennedys. And so, cl- so I mean, upset. I don't think that this was like anything besides like she was trying to get in with the Kennedys and buy property in Hyannisport. And so she like had a summer flirtation. <laughs> <laughs> I think she wanted to get on the Kennedys good side. So she like, you know, flirted with Connor here and he was there. the only one close to her age that was down. Yeah, she did what she could, but I can't condone that. Um, but I don't really think that they had an actual relationship of much substance. He did birth the second greatest song in Taylor Swift's discography, which is Stay, 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 right oh after God. All Too Well. Uh, <laughs> uh, we yes, don't like the song Stay, Stay, Stay. no. The whole, you walked in wearing a football helmet and said, okay, let's talk. Do you like, what do you think was actually happening in that situation? I just cannot really imagine him. I can imagine him with a football helmet because he is a high school student. And he's just hanging out with his grandma, Ethel. And he happens to be there. Who she loves. Also so cool. I just watched this documentary on Ethel, which I think is coincidentally the same documentary that made Taylor Swift obsessed with Ethel Kennedy Mm. and the Kennedys at large. It was like an HBO Ethel documentary from like 2012, I think the same year. But they had 27 dogs. I just latched on to that fact. 27 At a time. At a time. So, like, if a dog died, they would get another. So, they always had 27. Why? They just loved, she loves animals. And she had 10 kids, you know? So, she had 10 kids, 27 dogs, like, four horses. They had a seal. They had a seal for a year. Like a seal who lived in the ocean? Yes. Well, it lived in a pool at at their farm. Okay. But after a year, she would go to pick the kids up from school in a a convertible with the top down and bring the seal in the backseat to school pickup. What (laughs) the fuck? I did not know that even a little bit. And something super funny was that um, Robert Kennedy, so her husband, was attorney general. And Ethel Kennedy was committed a federal crime because she found a starving horse that was like two farms over or something. And she and her her children stole the horse and rode on bareback back to their farm. 
And I guess in like Connecticut or wherever it was, stealing a horse was like a revolutionary war era Mm. crime that was like written into law as like a hanging or something terrible, a tarring and feathering for stealing someone else's horse. So she had to go on trial while being the wife to the attorney general (laughs) of the United States for like a, a crime that was punishable by death. So... Anyways, wow. that's some of the fun stuff, but you can totally tell how that energy would yeah. be something that Taylor Swift would relate to so much. We think of Last Great American Dynasty. We think of Starlight, which is written about Ethel Kennedy. Like the hilarious thing is I think that there's there are more songs about Ethel Kennedy than there are about Connor. So Oh yeah. This was a lifestyle and aesthetic try on that that yeah. Taylor wanted to experiment with and like I don't this really was like blame in the peak her for her nautical era yes she was wearing a lot of flats and keds at this time high-waisted shorts retro swimsuits yeah oh my god a lot of retro swimsuits red lipstick this is like when the red lips started yeah and it was red so naturally um another note I have to say about Connor Kennedy is that in college first year of college oh yeah so like all of like the titter among everyone was about trying to be at the same Harvard parties as Connor Kennedy. And there was like, there was always gossip swirling about like, which party is Connor going to be at tonight? And I think, I think that I was at like a Harvard finals club party that Connor Kennedy was at, but I never personally saw Connor Kennedy, but like first First year of college, especially in that like beginning fall semester, mm-hmm. like that was currency on social media. It was like girls at Wellesley in my year posting pictures with Connor Kennedy at at Harvard oh. parties or whatever. So God. he really I mean, and I think that's what was in it for him, too. Right. Is that I mean, he's always going to be someone he's a Kennedy, but this made him into like a micro celebrity or yeah, yeah, a celebrity for that time. But they were already broken up by that point. So that's Connor Kennedy. All right. After Connor, we have slash simultaneously Diana Agron, mm-hmm. which is one of the big, the big ones. Mm-hmm. And I was really a denier in the Tumblr days. I didn't understand it. I didn't go for it. But the more I've learned, the more I feel pretty freaking confident that Taylor Swift and Diana Agron had some kind of romantic relationship. I feel much more confident even than Emily Poe. Yes. I just think we have so much lyrical proof and there's so yeah. much fishy stuff going on. And we will rest assured, dear listeners, have an episode about this. But this is where like a lot of people think that when she was like hanging out in Massachusetts and doing all this stuff, mm-hmm. it's around the same time she's actually dating Diana. And Diana's with her there Diana's a lot of in a lot her. of the photos. Um <laughs> which is yeah. like the definition of like the paparazzis don't roll with that, which again mm-hmm. is like her greatest strength. And Taylor Swift understands things like that. Like she can be photographed with a woman and no big in this era in in the two thousands. Right. She's basically This is like the lead into like the girl group era too, like the squad goals era. So like her hanging out with all of her female friends and female friends was like ooh la la. Um, yeah, so I too was a Diana Agron denier. I have since really <laughs> turned the tides here and I'm really holding back on, um, going in on, on all of this shit. But basically 
it seems as though the timeline for Diana and Taylor was like 2011 to 2013 ish. So we're overlapping with Connor Kennedy and with our next um, bleeding man. A um, big thing is so the liner note secret for everything has changed was Hyannis Port spelled H Y I A N N I S. That's mm-hmm. not how you spell Hyannis. Hyanna does not have an extra I. Mm-hmm. It's spelled like Diana Agron, who spells her name D I A N N A. So mm-hmm. she spelled Hyannis Port, which is supposed to make us think that this is about Connor Kennedy, like Diana. Yeah, so you're and Diana's no photographed with her that whole trip. I'll also just say that I read um, a lot of, again, I was in deep, but apparently in the like LA queer scene, Diana Agron was like well-known in the LA queer women scene during her time on, on Glee. So she's got a, a track history, a track record. And the thing is now, like, so Diana Agron was married to a man, someone from Mumford and Sons. They recently mm-hmm. divorced. And oh, she is now in the movie Shiva Baby. Mm-hmm. And she, like, just recently posted a story, like, two weeks ago or something, saying, like, this is for all my bi girls out there. Diana Agron. So, like, she's out. Yeah. She's not really a relevant celebrity anymore. But she but, like, is she's out. Not, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to have at least one episode about oh, oh. Diana and Taylor. They're they're gonna get a series. But um really people think though that Harry Styles, our next relationship on the list, was a cover for um her and Diana. Cause also mm. people started talking about there was like a lot of tweets and stuff. Like there was one tweet that really blew up that was like rumored that Taylor and Diana were dating. There were a couple of blind items about Taylor and Diana mm-hmm. and just after those came out is when we get Mr. Harry Styles. Also, there were all of these Twitter threads. I remember this even at the time, but all mm-hmm. these Twitter threads of Taylor and Diana wearing the same clothes. Yes. Or trading I like yeah. pictures of them doing something, going into somewhere, wearing outfits, coming out, having swapped outfits, a la I Don't Dance from High School Musical 2. <laughs> <laughs> Iconic reference. The only thing that could explain <sighs> that. But yeah, I think that was right around the time that Harry Styles pops up. And like things I want to say about Harry Styles, there is a depth of feeling and like there is certain messiness that happens between the two of them. But Mm -hmm. I just think it's too good to have no PR hand in it. Like it's Mm -hmm. too good. Even the paper airplane necklace, which was like the first became something that was like iconic for their relationship and just cross-pollinates all these songs there's so many cross-references between their two discographies they're like two of the biggest stars on the planet at that point Mm -hmm. um like right the central park day when they're feeding pigeons was that there There there's also like a baby there remember right when they hang out with the baby still unclear whose baby that is another date where someone with harry are there yeah and but it's so planned like that is and she's wearing the paper oh, airplane so necklace and yeah. then she uses the paper airplane necklace in the style video. It's like, yeah. again, if you're trying to be like Taylor's just not trying mm-hmm. to hide Harry in such which I don't know. There is an element of like if you are dating a huge celebrity and you are a huge celebrity, it's just a good business move. Right. That doesn't mean you can't be dating also. But it's just like there's, there's a team working mm-hmm. on crafting this stuff. And I think you're right, though, that it, I, I don't think that 
they I, I don't know what their relationship was. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it was like a Jake Gyllenhaal level, like in love situation. I also don't think it was fully PR because we get yeah, right. We get the Central Park date. We get, but then we also get some other stuff like the, remember the, the photo of them at like a karaoke bar and it's taken not, it's just taken by some like random person in a karaoke bar and they're doing the dirty dancing pose. Like it's a really shitty photo, but it's definitely them. Yes. And like, that wasn't state, like that could have been a situation where like they took, they went to lengths to make sure they weren't photographed in that situation. And then also the snowmobile accident background for people who don't know about the snowmobile accident is that taylor and harry got in a snowmobile accident and (laughs) nobody fucking knew about it he had to go get 20 stitches in the hospital room because they like Like, paid off the people or something working in the emergency room so that no one would find out which again eerily mirrors a plot in seven Mm -hmm. husbands of evelyn hugo um right so like there are these times where they have these like painfully painfully staged dates there's also a thing remember they were at like a new year's eve tv like mm-hmm. dick clark's I just rock watched new year's that eve literally yesterday yes and they, and they kiss and it's like really the most weird. awkward kiss ever it is painful yeah so like there's that but then there's also this other shit happening that like we either see not through the pr machine lens or we don't see at all but so yeah Here's my feeling is that like dating slash hanging out with Harry Styles is going to be a good fucking time. It's like he is the most charming in the world. This is like pre-Hera era now Mm -hmm. where like he's an openly queer man Mm -hmm. pretty much Um, as far as we can say that. But I think we can pretty confidently say that. And I think having that knowledge too and that we know that now also puts this in an interesting relief. Also... I'm not a Larry expert, but I would like to know where this is in the timeline of his relationship with Louis and what was happening with them and how Taylor could have been strategic for him. I think the thing is, like, you're going to have a good fucking time with Harry Styles. You're going to have deep emotions with Harry Styles. You're going to build something there. You're going to do the dirty dancing routine in a weird Mm -hmm. karaoke bar. And then I think... My my perspective is that he was wrestling with some stuff. Maybe he was mm-hmm. like wrestling with his queerness. Maybe he was re- wrestling with whatever was happening with Louis at that time. Being a celebrity, having all and these like, girls, the he had like lots of One Direction toxic, right? The One yeah. Direction like unraveling a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think he was probably bad to her. Yeah, and I don't think she was great to him either. I think they both could have tempers or like be just saucy. These are two saucy individuals yes but yeah i've never got a romantic spark from them just from a from an outside i don't know what i think i don't know i think that like yeah i think there was probably some chemistry there in Mm -hmm. the private moments but in the pr also how can you not have chemistry with harry of course like you're he does the dirty dancing lift with you like you're gonna want to fuck yeah like (laughs) But I do, I don't think in their public appearances, oh, it was so awful. Just like the most, those pictures of them at Central Park make me want to like, oh, I feel such secondhand embarrassment. Such um, Also, it's so weird because they painted them as like the good girl and the bad boy. I know. It's just so funny to think of Harry as the bad boy now. Yeah. Of I just, it's like, it's it was like he not has it. Right. It's That's, not it. Um. Another song, though, I'm going to add to the songs about Taylor Swift by her SO's playlist is Two Ghosts, which mm-hmm. he has publicly confirmed is about her. Hmm. Other songs that people think are about her that have never been like confirmed by him 
I don't believe these really at all. History by One Direction, perfect by One Direction, perfect maybe because there's that line if you uh, if you're looking for someone to write your breakup songs mm-hmm. about. And this was also before they dated. And then people also think that Ever Since New York is about her, which I just don't. Mm. I love that song, though. Mm-hmm. But anyways, Two Ghosts, he said is. And I then was reading the lyrics to this song. Tell and this is just legitimately a song about bearding. Um, okay. <laughs> the intro is same lips red, same eyes blue, same white shirt, a couple more tattoos. But it's not you and it's not me. Tastes so sweet, looks so real. Sounds oh like something that I used to feel. But I can't touch what I see. We're just two ghosts swimming in a glass half empty, trying to remember how it feels to have a heartbeat. Like, we're both here. They've set us up. They being, like, our agents or publicists or whatever. Like, you look great, and I'm great. Mm -hmm. And, like, we're a nice-looking couple. But, like, this is not... I know what something real is, and it's not this. Oh, Hannah, fantastic work here. Because I think, like, I've always interpreted that song not... I guess I did know it was about Taylor at some point, but I've never seen it through this lens. It's like, we're a shadow of what we used to have, mm-hmm. which I think is, like, the common interpretation of that song. But I think that that's genius. That that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think, again, like, I truly think they could be friends or, oh, like, totally. have this depth of connection about, yeah. like bearding together or mm-hmm. I don't know Style featuring Harry Styles manifest it right and I think there's a layer to the level of them that I think they were totally fine with being like I'm gonna use you ad infinitum in mm-hmm. my songs yeah and we're gonna drop each other like all the also, time what at that point especially what in 2013 would sell more than like Taylor Swift songs about Harry Styles and vice versa like that was oh my god that was juicy and, style, and that was great for both of their f- fans. Right, right. Except for, don't you remember in the old days, like, truly, it was like Tumblr was at war between Yeah, that was the similar Tumblr. There was a rift. And One Direction fans, it was so crazy. I felt like yeah. I couldn't... That's what put me off liking or listening to One Direction, engaging with yes. Harry Styles for so long, was I like, I guess I'm on the other side of the front. Not that I have, like, a bone to pick in this fight, no. but... So I also just think this entire thing was for the purpose of writing the song style, like style, a fantastic song. It's so neat. It is so Mm -hmm. neat and perfect. Everything she referenced in is in that song can be like cited with the playing paparazzi picture. Mm -hmm. It's the James Dean thing and her Mm -hmm. good girl faith. It's a fantastic song. It's a grease like fever dream you know like the movie mm-hmm. grease i mean but it's not there's nothing like out of the woods there's something behind it but style is just like a, out of the woods okay just very quickly let's talk about out of the woods that's another bearding song like are oh, we that out of the, the woods are we out of the woods are we heard. out of the woods have they found us out are we out of the yeah. woods? are we in the clear yet in the clear yet good like running for your life like i listened to that song recently trying not to think about it through the lens of romance and what she's always said is like not knowing if you and someone are in an okay place is how she mm-hmm. describes that song. Like feeling like you always have this anxiety about the state of your relationship and okay. Everything she said in that sentence, you can pivot that to be just like, you are in a constant state of anxiety with this person because you're constantly scared of being found out. Yeah. Like all of those challenge- things work for platonic or romantic. Every listener who is on the fence about Gaylor to just 
think critically for a moment here. How many of Taylor Swift songs are like about fear of like a relationship being found out or like fear of what other people will think about your relationship or fear of like how other people perceive your relationship? Mm-hmm. Just because she's a, le- a celebrity who wants to keep her private life private, that is not a appropriately sized reaction that's this this is a separate thing yeah think of all the celebrities we know there are so few songs about this thing that taylor swift has written songs about over and over and over and i do believe that some of them are genuinely about like celebrity Celebrity. and like 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 peace for example like peace i well i think peace is a gay song too but yeah peace (laughs) is like a song that is you know like more broadly about like what does it mean that like I am who I am in this world and That's, like I am who I am in this okay. world. <laughs> I know. And I cannot I have started saying this and then I talked myself out of my own argument. I couldn't even but get no, it out. Still, I, I completely agree that they're like lucky one. That's a song about yeah. celebrity. Oh yeah, totally. But like the majority of her love songs that are about fear related to relationships, that is full-blown, closeted, gay shit. That is not even for a minute. Dancing with our hands tied. I know oh, places. Oh, get me started. Delicate. Dress. Dress. Um, <laughs> the back half anyways, of reputation. I think all we're really saying is that, like, celebrity demands to be thought of critically. Yes. And the machinations of PR, all of this stuff demands to be looked at with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. And even if everything we're saying is wrong, what Taylor has presented to us is not the truth. There's no way that that's the truth. So in whole, you know, in its entirety, it's a story and she's a storyteller. And I think the the challenge for us fans is to dig through the immense web of breadcrumbs that she has left us and try to parse out what we can find through the mess. And it's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's really fun. Clearly. I mean, we're here. My last note about Harry Styles is just that um, this, I was talking about the paparazzi the photographer who they use repeatedly the first time they use him is with connor kennedy the next time they use him is with harry styles so we'll keep we'll keep going here but um this one i think we have to limit ourselves to like one minute or else we will get in too deep because i really want to um but beginning in 2013 and going to maybe 2019 not really sure could still be going on i don't know um in walks Carly Kloss. Not walks. She like, res- remember Struts. Taylor Swift um, writes a tweet that's like, I'm dying to bake cookies with Carly Kloss. Mm-hmm. And that's the genesis as Taylor and tweets, I want to hang out with Carly Kloss. Carly says, your place or mine. And then they meet like a couple weeks later when Taylor is performing at the 2013 Victoria's Secret Fashion Show. And from there... It's a fucking roller coaster. We're going to have to do a full series on this because there is legitimately just so much content. But they start hanging out at that show end of 2013. The real nexus of their relationship, public friendship, whatever it is, is all of 2014. And then the 1975 concert happens. Kiss Kate. And the world was never the same. Yeah, they have their last public appearance in February of 2015. As just the two of them. I don't even... I'm... We're not even gonna... We're not really gonna go here. But basically what we know, without a shadow of a doubt, be it friendship, be it romance, that Carly Kloss 
is slash was one of the great loves of Taylor Swift's life. Mm-hmm. And they are no more, at least publicly. And bad stuff went down between the two of yep. them. And it's really complicated. It's really meaty. You don't love someone that much and then have them disappear from your life in such a dramatic fashion. So we're yep. going to get into it. There's a lot there. Yeah. A lot of sagas happening. But that's that's when that's when Carly arrives via Taylor summoning her on Twitter. So let's talk about Calvin Harris, who shows up in 2015 to 2016. Their first date was to a Kenny Chesney concert in fall of 2015. <laughs> and crazy. both Tree and Calvin's manager were also there with them. All right. So weird. And this is really the relationship of paparazzi photos. So many photos of the two of them on dates. Oh my God, so many. Really an astonishing amount. Just looking through all of it, like really, this was a totally different relationship vibe than anybody she'd ever dated before. There are all of these paparazzi photos of them. They, when they, it's their one year anniversary, she like posts a photo of like a one year cake mm-hmm. and like makes he a little video. Snapchat. And then there I was a lot reading this Snapchats. thing today about how he posts the Snapchat of their one year anniversary cake. And he leaves like two minutes later because there's paparazzi like two minutes after he posts that. Oh, Which, whatever. God. Maybe he just posts it late, but funny regardless. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and also like, okay, there are a bunch of paparazzi photos early on. This, this is what I thought was really interesting of him leaving her house in the morning, like early in the morning. And Taylor Swift lives in like a fucking compound. Like there are not, this is when she's, this is. I don't, part of it's when she's in New York, but some of it is also when she's in LA, I think. There are never photos of Taylor Swift leaving her house, but they had to call the paparazzi to come and take photos of him leaving. Like very, this relationship, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think that it was fully produced. I don't think that this was a real relationship or maybe it was in some regard, but. I am genuinely so so confused about the Calvin Harris relationship from any take from just like a normal take or like a Gaylor take or whatever it might be. Why are there no songs about Calvin Harris? Not that there are none, but there are literally like two just referring to him as the older guy that I'm dating, Mm -hmm. like getaway car. What else? Gorgeous, which isn't even about him. He's doing, I don't know what, right. It's always like opaquely referred. I've got a boyfriend. He's older than us. He's in the club doing, I don't know what, like even that could be, that's a fake boyfriend. Yeah. Even if you're supposedly falling in love with Joe in this song. But anyways, I just think it's so, so confusing, which some people say that all the songs about Calvin are in this mysterious missing album. Mm-hmm. That's we the wing it. of the plane that she's cutting off in right in the look what you made me do music video and that era that was supposed to be was Bleachella. So her being showing up to the Met Gala um, with hair bleached, the snakeskin dress. So interesting. So she supposedly met both Joe Alwyn and <laughs> Tom Hiddleston that night at the Met Gala, the commencement of Bleachella. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how that's possible that she dated two people she met that night and she spent the whole night dancing with Tom Hiddleston. That everybody Google what Joe Alwyn looked like at the 2016 Matt Gala because he looked really bad. So if we're going to pretend that Gorgeous is about that night, that is that is the biggest load of shit I think that Taylor Swift has ever also, fed us. why was he invited? I don't know. Was he I have in no like idea. War Horse? <laughs> is that a real movie? Wait, what's the movie that's like, yeah, I think it's called War Horse. It's like based on the British play. Oh, yeah. Came out yeah, at Christmas yeah, yeah. about like 
a wooden horse question mark? I'm not even sure. I never saw it. I don't know, but I know it's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't get the whole Calvin Harris deal. I don't get it. They dated for so long. We were supposed to believe that this was like her first adult relationship Mm -hmm. from all of the like sexy photos. And now they're cool. And like, she's dating a DJ, blah, blah, blah. But like, where's the, where are the songs? And they, they ended. And well, first of all, they, I think what really caused them to break up was that right before they break up, broke up, a bunch of shit came out about, um, Calvin Harris being like openly homophobic, openly Mm -hmm. like racist, openly just like having a lot of like really gross. Um, like there's a video of him taking a picture of Sam Smith and drawing like dicks all over their face like there's there's just like a lot and like i don't know the the details of the other ones but there was stuff coming out about him basically like using slurs and like especially specifically about gay people um so that came out and then right after that is when the um this is what you came for the song that Mm -hmm. calvin harris did with rihanna that taylor wrote under a secret name and then was like lol this is me then that happened and they broke up. And something I thought was interesting was the one song that Calvin Harris has released that's about Taylor Swift, allegedly, is this song. It's by Calvin Harris and John Newman, a man whose name I've never heard before. Um, <laughs> it was released like right after John they broke Newman. up. And the opening lines are, Loki, you won't tell none of your friends about me. You won't tell them I occupy your dreams and your thoughts. People think that he wrote this song. I, I haven't listened to the entire song. I listened to the first like 10 seconds to hear that. Um, but people think he wrote this song from Taylor's perspective and is implying that she was cheating on him with Tom Hiddleston because Tom Hiddleston plays Loki in the Marvel movies, Loki, Loki. That's weird. Which also, like, so yeah. he's writing songs from Taylor's perspective now? Yeah, uh, from a I man's perspective. Like, right, from a Taylor's I, perspective. Interesting, though. So that's the only, uh, like evidence from his end but i don't know i don't this was a bizarre situation whole it gets really messy here in the calvin tom joe yeah supposedly carly maybe still happening at this point era Mm -hmm. very 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 confusing but i have heard a lot of stuff about like calvin harris and joe alwyn were both selected slash cast if you want to believe that by her management because they resemble carly close enough like two tall blonde people so that all of her references to golden and songs things Mm -hmm. like that can be attributed to one of these two men and i do think it's interesting to note that like all these people look pretty similar yeah i mean tree she doesn't sleep then the last person just before the i mean i guess not the last the the penultimate relationship we will discuss today is tom hiddleston this was fucking insane. This was absolutely PR. This mm-hmm. was openly acknowledged. I found this like list of all of these um like mainstream not I don't want to say like news outlets, but like BuzzFeed, <laughs> like Refinery29, like that variety <laughs> of media, like the cut, like all of those people. Those are pretty reliable. Uh, yeah, I'd they're, say I mean, they're news outlets. They're news outlets. BuzzFeed breaks news. Um but anyway, so it's just like openly acknowledged by all of these websites. It was this master list of people being like, this is a PR relationship. Like this relationship is not for real, right? Like we all are agreeing this. So it was like openly acknowledged that this was a PR stunt by people who are not deep Gaylor truthers, specifically because of the paparazzi photos of her in Australia with him wearing. That was the- Australia. 
Yes, they were in Australia together where he is from and everybody like there are all these interviews I was watching, like not interviews, but like he's leaving somewhere and paparazzi are talking to him and they're like, are you bringing Taylor to meet your parents? Like, what does Taylor think of Australia? And he's like, (laughs) so uncomfortable. It's like really honestly kind of funny to watch. He's like, I won't speak about that. I won't be speaking for her. And they're like, he's the Aaron Dessner of 2016. (laughs) Yes, he's just there. But Anyways, there are these photos of them frolicking in the water and he's wearing a tank top that says, I heart TS. And everybody sees this and is like, this is so gauche. And this is happening just around the Kimye stuff. So like everybody's starting, the the tides are turning on Taylor related to Kim and Kanye and related to her relationships. And Tom Hiddleston does not help any of that. They have like a very brief fling. I think it's like maybe I don't think two. it's but I don't think there's I don't anything. think it's a fling. But yeah. right, it's like what is this weird thing where like they meet the night of the Met Gala? I was just watching some videos of them dancing at the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. Weird. So like was it planned before the Met Gala? And then they were like, that that really blew up in our face. So Joe also at the Met Gala. We sent two mm-hmm. people to the Met Gala. Two options. I have no clue what happened there. And then with the whole, so like in their like one, two month thing, whatever it was, mm-hmm. they like travel internationally together. He, he wears comes to the, the Fourth of July party. He comes to the Fourth of July. He's everywhere for those. Yes, the I Heart TS shirt that he's photographed in is just still the weirdest thing. And what they've said remember. is like I can't remember. Yeah, but they, I think I they said about that another he, episode. He spilled, he says, I spilled something on my shirt and this was the only thing that she had. What? Why would Taylor Swift have an I Heart TS shirt, first of all? Oh, yeah. Why would she? But and also, why would that be the only thing PR that she want her, him to wear? I know. That? Just nothing make, just truly nothing makes sense about Tom Hiddleston. Also, for my research, which again, like, I don't know. And this isn't mean spirited. It's just sharing. I mean, obviously not. But that people like widely believed on the internet and stuff is that Tom Hiddleston has been dating his manager who is a man for a long time that like that's his Carly. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So did he have a Marvel movie coming out at this time? Probably. I don't know. They were coming out literally every year. I'm just thinking of like, right again, what's the boost? Right. That they were like, we need a boost for this Marvel movie. I mean, maybe this was a similar to Taylor Lautner thing, especially if right. there's all this like talk of him maybe dating his manager of being like right. superhero movie, like even more than a romantic comedy mm-hmm. lead. Like you got to be seen as like straight, straight man. There's straight, nothing strong that says man. that more like an R- I heart TS baby T. That was the funny thing about it that almost makes you believe it was Taylor's shirt because it like was like a baby T. Like it was. It was hot. like a women's shirt. <laughs> like it was not. <laughs> Uh, also, Taylor really just one shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the We're only just... shirt she has. Okay, lastly, we have Joe Alwyn, which I feel like we're not going to get into it today. It's Joe. There's yeah. so much to be said. Who we are meant to believe now is the love of her life. We hope that much is true. We'll dig into Joe. But supposedly they also met at the, the Met Gala in 2016. And the, they've been together and... officially since 2017. Wait, so is Getaway Car... Is she getting away from Calvin with Tom? Yes, about getting away from Calvin with Tom. But it does seem like that much seems true. Like she definitely was fleeing her life. Yes. Yeah. Going on all these crazy vacations with him, like running away from Calvin Harris. And then after, yeah, after Tom is when she goes fully dark for like until reputation. Mm -hmm. So 
All right. That was um, Boys and Boys and Girls and Girls. Welcome to our pod. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. This was an oral history of Taylor's (laughs) romantic relationships. And we will be back next week with more good stuff. And next week will be a very special joint in person. Oh, my God. Next week. Next live coming. It won't be live. Yeah. For us, it'll be (laughs) live as two bodies in the same room. In the same room. We are not swimming in a glass half empty. (laughs) 